Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Emily Grace of Guide to Wholeness, and I'm very excited to share this week's episode with you. And before that, I want to say thank you to everyone that's been reaching out about recent episodes and how much they're resonating with you. And it just means the world to receive your feedbacks in the DMs and emails um, of how much you're enjoying these conversations and how much you're learning from them. Um, It really means so much. So please continue to do that and let me know what you'd like to see, what you'd like to learn about, what you're taking away from these episodes. And I would love it if you could share these episodes with the people in your life that could use them most. And that is really my intention with these episodes is that they help to shift your perspective and shift your energy state and shift something inside of you so that you can embody more of yourself fully and take that with you in every aspect of your life. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And there are more exciting guests and episodes to come. And as I mentioned, I think it might have been in the last episode, playing around with adding more episodes, more weekly episodes. So um, more coming there. Um, And I'm excited to share this week's episode, which is with Sophia Adler. Um, I have been wanting to have her on the podcast for a while and then something serendipitously connected us in a community that we're in together. So Sophia is an astrologer and meditation teacher known for her ability to help high achieving spiritually curious women in transition to trust themselves and their path so they can worry less, enjoy life more, and feel excited about all that's to come. And her approach is informed by her astrology expertise, her master's from Columbia in psychology and education, and the mindful presence-based wisdom that she has gathered over 10 years as a meditator and five years as a meditation teacher for individuals and companies alike. And it is Sophia's mission to demystify and normalize meditation and astrology so that you can feel clear and confident in your choices, your path, and your timeline. And she really dives in and shares her wisdom on the different seasons of astrology and the signs and what you can embody from each one and how they each build on one another and how to really use astrology in an empowering way instead of letting it dictate your life or um, or you handing over your power to astrology and affecting how you make decisions or what mood you show up in. You know, Mercury retrograde, we talk about a great mindset shift around that and a lot of the other changes we're seeing in astrology. So you can find Sophia at our website, sophiaadler.com, her Instagram of the same name, and on LinkedIn as well. And all this is linked in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let me know what you think in a message and hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Sophia. I am so, so honored to have you here. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here. So the feeling is mutual. Mm, 
Beautiful. And yeah, before we dive into all your wisdom around astrology, what brought you to astrology and becoming a teacher and a coach in this way and your meditation path? Like, what was your journey to discovering that this was the path for you? Mm, such a good question. Um, you know, as I see it, the path found me. My parents got divorced almost 11 years ago now. And I'll answer the meditation question first. Um, and at that time, I was really upset, understandably so, and was really willing and interested in anything that would make me feel better. I am a born and raised New Yorker. I played division one sports. I have always been, or kind of my resting state is really this idea of do more, be more, achieve more high paced, you know, or fast paced rather high intensity. And when I found meditation up until then, I thought meditation was boring. I thought yoga was a waste of time, you know? Um, and I didn't, stick with meditation for any other fancy reason than it made me feel better. Like that was it. You know, it, it made me feel better. I didn't start with some grandiose practice. I started sitting on my floor, in my converted bedroom in the West village. I was in my, it was, it was in my early twenties. And I remember cross-legged one knee hit the side of the bed, one knee hit the wall. And i started meditating for a minute a day. And then two minutes a day and then three minutes a day. And when I say this progression of minutes, it was like months at a time that I made this shift. Um, and it really changed my life. You know, the capacity to sit with ourselves, to sit with what's coming up, to sit with situations at hand and not react, to pause and be able to respond. Um, to me, meditation is ultimately self-care practice and above all else, a self-compassion practice. You know, when you sit in meditation, you are ultimately saying to yourself, I'm here. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. You can be at your worst and I am going to sit here. And that has been really profound for me to notice, you know, how easy it has been and still is, let's be real, <laughs> you know, for me to want to run or fix or change or have this hyperactive response. And instead, my growing capacity to just allow things to be and to take a breath before moving forward. Um, and I started teaching because people started coming to me. People started noticing the change in my life and my demeanor, and they wanted to know what the deal was. Um, and it had such an impact on my life that I wanted to be able to help others do the same. Mm. So beautiful. And yeah. yeah, I actually discovered meditation when I lived in New York City at one point. And I don't know, something about like being amongst the noise, like really like prompted me to go inward. So I love that that was like your experience as well of of being that, yeah, focus on high intensity, high achievement. I think so many of my listeners can feel the same way. Like when you're very driven that slowing down um, isn't as comfortable and uh, doesn't come as naturally. So yeah, I really, really applaud you for, for using your practice as a way to stay present with what is and not running away. And again, that's what we all are wired to do is avoid pain. And I think, yeah, I agree. Meditation is such a beautiful way to be present and go through challenging experiences like divorce. And I think anyone I found meditation when I was grieving. And um, I think that that's the tool the meditation can be for us, that soft place to land. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think it's interesting meditation and being driven and ambitious and high achieving all things, which I was and am still, right. It's interesting how we're taught that they're not the same thing when there is a, you know, a level of disciplines that is disciplines, discipline, excuse me, that is required to meditate. There is an amount of drive to say, okay, every day I'm going to sit. Totally, totally applies there too. Mm -hmm. And I will say, you know, I've been meditating now for a decade, which is wild to me. Um, But I, yes, there are days that I miss my practice to be sure. There are days where I have three minutes and that's my practice for the day. You know, it's not, I think people have a common misconception about meditation being, I sit for 20 minutes twice a day. And that's Mm -hmm. the only way it counts. You know, our egos play a big role in determining what meditation is and is not. But I am at a point now where meditation for me is a non-negotiable. I don't feel as good. I'm not as good of a person. I'm not as good as, you know, a loved one. If I don't have those minutes for me, it's like a, it's almost as if I like wait, I don't actually wake up foggy, but it's almost as if like I wake up and my inner system is a little foggy and I just need to meditate to just kind of wash it away and clear the slate and be like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to move into the day. Yes. Yes. This is a good reminder for me as well, because I think that yeah, I kind of have that mindset sometimes with like, I need to meditate for like at least 30 minutes, something like that for it to count. But I think what happens is then you don't stick um, with that. And then, yeah, you wonder why do I feel so foggy and why does it everything feel really messy inside? And I am always like, yeah, it's because I didn't meditate. <laughs> and it's yeah. like a solution to that inner kind of turmoil, like just smoothing out those rough edges. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that analogy, smoothing out rough edges. Mm. Yeah. What I always say to my clients is the best meditation practice is the one that's sustainable. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I have my own business, you know, I create my own schedule. I can guarantee I would not meditate every day if I meditated 30 minutes a day. I meditate for 12 minutes a day. Yeah. And I love it and it works for me. And sometimes I sit longer, you know, meditation is a part of my morning practice and routine, but 12 minutes is something that feels long enough to nourish me, supportive enough, you know, to keep me going. And yet like a, an amount of time that doesn't make me think, shoot, you know, I'm not going to get to all the other things on my list. Yes. I love that. And it's so refreshing to hear that that makes such an impact and such a difference like only 12 minutes that's very very doable there's like no excuses not to do and anyone could do a different practice maybe like sometimes I do like eight minutes or um 10 minutes something like that but Mm -hmm. anything that's like less than an hour even less than half an hour it's extremely doable Mm -hmm. yeah totally um so meditation was the first I would say meditation was kind of what opened the door for me I then, you know, jumping forward in my story, ended up going back to graduate school. I got my master's from Columbia in clinical psych and education, the concentration in mind-body practice, because, you know, meditation was that first thing for me that made me curious about how the mind worked, because I started to realize when I was in a position that I thought was immovable and unshakable, and I kind of was sitting there, you know, and again, I didn't have any siblings, so it was really, and I still don't have any siblings, Um, it really felt like it was me and it was my experience alone and I was suffering and I didn't know how to get out of it. Mm. And uh, 
when I realized that the stories that we tell ourselves create our realities and that there was a way out of the upset and the pain and the misery that I was feeling, I was all in. So I, you know, I wanted to study the mind. I had been studying it in spiritual capacities. I wanted to understand it in a more traditional way. Went to go back to graduate school, had opened up um, my first business, which was a mindset and leadership coaching business for companies and individuals. It was really successful, honestly. And I still felt like something was missing. It just, yeah. you know, it's like, I thought that grad school would be the thing, the, sh right. you know, the, the shiny diploma, the, the good degree, the cool thing. And I graduated with as many questions as I came in with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I started studying astrology on a whim. Started studying it because one of my teachers, um, you know, it, one of my spiritual teachers, she was like, you just need to go do something fun. You need to do something that is not for the betterment of your job and your career and your business. You need to just go have a good time. So I took an astrology class just to learn. I thought it was cool. You know, it was kind of my first big investment in myself. Um, in terms of like a little course type of thing, of course, graduate school was a major investment. Um, and the rest was history. I, you know, you hear me laughing. I never expected to become an astrologer. Like this was never the plan. You know, I grew up, as I said earlier, I grew up in New York city. I went to private school. I went to college I had a master's degree. My friends are consultants and lawyers and HR professionals and, you know, tech like geniuses. And I <laughs> am the token astrologer of the group. And ultimately it chose me. I fell in love with it. I discovered I was really good at it. My business took off and the rest was really history. So, you know, my, my work, my expertise is not just astrology. It's not just meditation. It's not just a psychology. I've really blended all of those tools and techniques into what I like to think of and my clients tell me at least, you know, a major support system for people as they navigate life. Yeah, it's funny that you say that astrology chose you at this period where, you know, you were looking for answers and you were looking for fun. And then that came through. And I think it's honestly so needed. And I know you and I have talked about this offline of having this awareness of astrology in these places like the workplace and like everyone's common lives and how it can help to give us better understanding and compassion towards ourselves and I think I saw on your website that you did you train with Deborah Silverman is that yeah is that right? I yeah I recognize that name I don't know like I just know every like astrology kind of person I come by like has some connection with her she's great I loved her courses loved Ah, oh, amazing. And yeah, so let's dive into the astrology piece. And I would love to know because it seems like in the last few years, there's been major astrology, astrological events. And maybe it's just because I've been paying more attention, you know, in the last few years, I've gotten into astrology, but this year in particular, it just feels like back to back, there's so many um eclipses we just talked about and um other major changes that shake things up and I love to know like how can we approach astrology in an empowering way rather than a fear-mongering because I'll admit I was definitely one of those people that used to dread when mercury retrograde came around like 
it would just be like, I have to reschedule like all my launches and then I'm going to like freak out during it. And I realized like that was actually setting me up to fail. And now I, I have learned it's more about the mindset of approaching it. Like if your systems are in place, if your emotional state is in place and you're solid, then Mercury retrograde is not going to like bother you as much. And you're not going to be losing your mind over a technology glitch. Um, that's just one example, but how can we use astrology in a more empowering way? Yes. Oh my God. Really, honestly, this is like what my work is all about because I agree with you. Astrology has gotten even more popular in the past few years and it just blows my mind and honestly infuriates me because astrology is a tool that is meant to help you. It's meant to empower you at its root. If, if you connect with astrology, if you feel the energy of the planets, that's proof that magic exists. That's proof that we are connected to something bigger than us. That, you know, it's like, if you zoom out, it's this like holy blank moment, you know, that I'm feeling something that's happening energetically based on planets in the sky, like, and not in the sky, in the solar system. Like this is wild, right? And that is empowering. That helps us see that there is something going on here, that we are souls in bodies, you know, like, that we are having a spiritual experience as human beings and that we can trust our inner authority, that there is no right path. There's our path. And so the planets are not to get you, you know, humans are the ones that made astrology negative and bad and hard things. Like that's a human thing. It's not a planet thing. It's, you know, it's not an astrology thing. And so to see all of this fear mongering messaging out there, it's just such an oxymoron because it's like, okay, so you're making like, honestly, before we just hopped on this podcast, um, I got an email in my inbox. We're recording this the day before the eclipse mm -hmm. and, you know, an email being like tomorrow's eclipse is going to cause major chaos upheavals and change. And I'm an astrologer. I know better. And I felt a jolt of like, <laughs> oh crap, what's going to happen? So, you know, I think that the number one thing to know about using astrology as an empowering tool is that the planets are not out to get you. Mm, the planets yeah. don't want to hurt you. Like we are all connected. If you mm. are someone who, you know, listening to this and you believe in the big bang theory, which is science, right? Like the big bang theory says that there was nothing. And then all of a sudden there was everything. There was this big bang and everything was created. So the planets they're made up of the exact same thing that you and me are made up of, maybe in different ways and mm. different capacities. So that's the first thing. It's just acknowledging that astrology is not meant to scare you. It doesn't have to scare you. If you are absorbing that content, delete, cancel, unsubscribe, like block, like that. It's that's a human thing. It's a human thing that has been designed to take your control away, which is the antithesis mm -hmm. of this ancient wisdom. Um, and the other thing, you know, about the planets is that the planets are here to help us grow and evolve. I feel like to think of it as this like cyclical evolution. Astrology reminds us that we don't always have to be on, right? Like Mercury retrograde, as you mentioned, which is actually also going on right now um, right. as we're recording this. You know, Mercury retrograde happens three times a year like clockwork. Yeah. It happens for three weeks. This, this exact Mercury retrograde, I think, is a few days longer, but ultimately three times a year, three weeks long. I actually love Mercury retrograde because Mercury retrograde is the energy that turns around and it says, okay, no more plowing forward. No more continuing to focus on where you're going. What about where you've been? What about what you've accomplished? 
What about what you've achieved? What are you celebrating? You know, it allows us to do that retroactive look back yeah, and use the data from our past, use the wins and maybe the growth edges from our past and bring them with us into our future to propel us even further, right? It's like, to me, Mercury retrograde is like the ultimate antithesis to burnout. It's like the, it is the tool from the planet mm -hmm. saying, don't keep going. We don't want you to keep going. Stop. And like with eclipses, for example, you know, eclipses bring change, but it doesn't have to be scary. It can be change that you want to work for you. You know, an eclipse astronomically, so, you know, from an astronomy perspective, mm -hmm. It's just when there's some sort of light that's blocked, right? Because the earth and the moon and the sun are in a certain type of line, depending on what which type of eclipse it is. Right. And we can't see things as clearly. So okay. that's so that's why eclipses are deemed chaotic. Right. Because yeah, things are a little out of whack. But what if it's a good thing that they're out of whack? What if it's the energy that finally helps you shake shit up and like, you know, like break things loose or see something a different way? What if? you don't feel it at all. You know, people who are in the astrology world, you have to remember there's thousands and thousands, probably millions of people out there that don't know what astrology is, that don't pay attention to it, that don't care. They might feel it, but like mm. our mind is really powerful. If you tell yourself that the eclipse is going to mess with you, it's going to mess with you. If you go into it saying, there's this astrological event, I might feel it, I might not. Like, okay. You know, like, let's see how I can make it work for me. I personally will share. There are some things that I've been carrying that I don't want to carry anymore. And I have put that intention into the eclipse. I'm like, great, help a sister out. I love it. You know, life it. isn't meant to be lived linearly. And astrology and the planets and the astrological events help us honor our cycles and our seasons. The zodiac seasons, each one that builds upon the next has a cycle. Um, you know, I clearly am very passionate about this as I'm sure you and your listeners can tell, but if I were to give like one actionable takeaway to start practicing astrology in an empowering way, it would be to just get curious. Like if you know that there's an astrological event coming up, just get curious about what you feel mm -hmm. because then you get to see, oh, you know, there's this type of astrological event. I noticed this. Wow, that's pretty cool. Or, huh, I didn't really feel that. Or, oh, you know, like this is what's up for me right now. Because when you lead with curiosity and an open mind, it's not finite. Right. And then whatever you discover from that curiosity, you can use that information and go do something about it. I love that. Yeah. And it's almost like you're saying it's non-attachment, which is very much mm -hmm. the meditation piece. Like you're yeah. aware of these things, but you're open to them and you're not letting them dictate your experience. Yeah. You know, I think we don't have to just sit around and wait for astrological events to happen to us. Right. You know, like you got to go keep living your life. It's like the people that say, oh, I don't sign contracts during Mercury retrograde. Yeah. They're like, or they don't take a new job or this. I'm like, yeah. this is three weeks of your life. Like, you know, <laughs> to me, astrology is weather. Right. So yeah. knowing that eclipses can sometimes be activating in some capacity. Can you plan an easy day? Can you keep things simple? Can you, you know, plan a nourishing event? Um, I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and soaking is a big thing here Whoa. in mineral pools. And I'm going, I'm going to have a soak on Saturday night. 
Incredible. Why? In part, because I just want to, but also I was like, oh, you know, big week, what have you, might be feeling stuff, might not. What if I just plan accordingly, you know? Right. I and like just, that. Yeah. Like, just like if it's raining, you're going to bring an umbrella with you. Right. Right. It's almost um, coming out of that victimhood. I, I hear you saying of like, these things are all happening and it's all in the external. Like, I love how you said the planets are here to support us. They're part of us and, um, and they're not out to get us. And I also want to highlight that you said Mercury retrograde is the solution to burnout. I yep. never, ever heard it phrased that way. And I kind of wish I heard that before this day started because <laughs> I really was trying to find things to do. And like, I could tell like there was just like a slow period in my work and I was like, wait, this is wrong. And then it's like, no, like right now we're recording. It's the full moon. It's like already emotions are high over here. And the eclipse tomorrow and and now the retrograde it's like no this is like definitely permission slip to to take that rest and to um i like that review what has come from the past and what you learned from that because otherwise in our busy day-to-day -day, in our modern society which is very linear and you know it would just like keep going forward and like never look back like we don't have that permission slip and i love that uh, Mercury, Mercury retrograde can offer that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think thinking about, you know, business owners, we finish a launch. What's the next one? What's the next one? What's the next one? And, and think about how good it feels when you are, have the time and the space to look back and say, okay, well, what went really well with that one? Or what did not go well? Or what, what worked that I want to bring with me? You know, I had a friend, I had a friend once come over and help me trim out my closet like years and years and years ago. And then remember, she's made three piles. She made the keep pile. She made the giveaway pile and she made the donate pile. Right. And it's like, it feels good yeah. to assess how far we've come or what we like or what, you know, we're not sure about, or it, it, it you know, why wait until the end of the man-made calendar year, December 31st to reflect back on the entire year. And what, you know, it's like for someone listening to this, who likes that setting intentions or resolutions or more just like recognizing how far you've come, like Mercury retrograde is an opportunity to do that almost quarterly, mm -hmm. you know? And I think too, for my, I, I resonate with this myself. I know it is accurate for my clients, like for my ambitious driven women out there. How often are you actually celebrating a milestone versus kicking the bucket of where you have to get to next? I know. Right. It's the it's worst. Good. Why do we do that? I know. <gasps> right. You know, so again, you know, to your point, it's like, how can you make the energy work for you? And sometimes the way you make the energy work for you is exactly what you shared, Emily, which is having a day that feels slower and instead of beating yourself up or feeling like you're doing something wrong or being bad or yeah. you know, messing up your life. It's like, Oh, right. Like, that's why I feel this way. I've had that come up too, for me, quieter days. And then I remember it's Mercury retrograde. And then I feel comforted. Mm -hmm. we, all, we all know when we're using astrology as an excuse. Oh yeah. Right. Like you, I, I'm confident that everyone listening to this knows when they're using <laughs> astrology as a form of excuse and avoidance versus 
awareness and recognizing, oh, so that might be part of what I'm feeling. What if I didn't make what I was feeling wrong? Right. What if I just worked with it? I love that. Yeah. It's like that acceptance piece and yeah. And like not making yourself wrong for feeling the way you do or not like taking personally your circumstances, but understanding, oh, this, I like how you said it's like cyclical, like just like us as women, it's like, oh, this is that period where I slow down and where I review what happened before. And I'm not Mm -hmm. in the pushing forward because it's really about when you're, you know, my um, way that I support is with embodiment. It's like really coming clear that to be embodied, that you're not going to always just be go, 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 especially your fear high achieving. It's like, that's what the societal pattern is. And I think astrology is a great way of, you know, stepping out of that and coming back into our natural way of living. Like, I love that um, way you explained it. Like the planets are part of us. And I would love if you could touch on what you shared about how each um, astrological sign and season like builds upon each other, because I have heard that, but I love for my listener to see like, what, what did you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, nothing astrologically is by accident, right? And something that, I don't know, it just really hit me differently today when you just said the word living. The essence and the embodiment of the word living, right? The way it feels, the energy behind it, what living life looks like as we think it to be. It's so opposite of linear. It's not straight and narrow, right? Like linear is, or living rather is, robust and for lack of a better word, alive and dynamic and varied and astrology in helping us normalize, recognize, you know, celebrate our cycles and seasons. That's really what allows us to live, you know, versus being on the straight and narrow, the single path that really limits all that we're able to experience and achieve. Um, so with the Zodiac seasons, you know, I, maybe you'll know, I can never remember what like childhood movie this is from, but you know, that little song, like anything you can do, I can do. Yes. Okay. So that is what every Zodiac sign is saying to the sign before it. Right. So we start with Aries season. Aries is about courage and bravery and new beginnings and starting fresh and leadership and doing things our way. It's a fire sign, right? It's the spark. It's the initiation. It's the heat the passion, the gut knowings, the aha moments. We finish up Aries season and most people feel this. I often feel this myself actually. And I am an Aries son. Mm-hmm. You get to Taurus season and Taurus turns around to Aries and it's like, good God, do you have to be that all over the place? Do you have to be that manic? Do we have to work that fast and that hard? Like I want leisure. I want pleasure. It's not all about running around at a high speed, like we're on fire. I want simplicity. I want to take action and I want to work, but I want to do it based on my values and what I stand for and what I believe in. These are all themes of Taurus. Are you a high-achieving, heart-centered woman who's ready to experience more flow, more fulfillment, and more freedom in her life and career? I invite you to learn more about my program, Reclaim, 
which supports you in reclaiming your wholeness and your feminine essence to experience more alignment, fulfillment, and flow. And you've probably understood by now in listening to this podcast that there's a feminine aspect of yourself that wants to be nurtured, that wants to be embodied so that you can feel in balance and live life in a softer, more connected way. And to do that, you have to embody your self-worth and emotional empowerment so that you can move through the challenges that inevitably come up when you start walking towards a life that is soul aligned. And becoming embodied in your feminine helps you to anchor in a deep sense of faith throughout these challenging transitions, helps you to reclaim your boundaries and permission to say no, and to remove subconscious blocks and increase your ability to receive, which is a wound in the collective of the feminine. And a lot of this is embedded trauma in the body. And I use a somatic approach so that you can release these blocks in a safe way and start to listen to the wisdom of your heart and your body, which is always there and inviting you to start living from this space instead of from your head, which is, you know, the version of yourself that's anxious and in analysis paralysis is from living from your headspace. So if this sounds supportive to you, I invite you to book a free 20-minute consult with me to discover what do you need to embody to get this soul-aligned life that you desire, what needs to be released, what needs to be embodied. And this is complimentary so we can see if this is a good match and a good support for you going forward. You can find the link in the show notes, talktoemily.com to book your session today. Um, Taurus is an earth sign, right? So for anybody listening, that's ever made built a fire, very different to get the fire lit than it is to keep the fire going. Why? Because you have to add wood, you have to add earth. Mm -hmm. So earth is the sustenance post a fire season. And we see this multiple times throughout the year, but I'm just kind of weaving it in after the spark of a fire season, we have the sustenance of earth where instead of burning out and, you know, ending where we started with fire, earth tells us go slow go steady, put in the work, go step-by-step. Here we go. Right. And it, you know, the, the Taurus themes of embodiment of being, you know, connected to the five senses of slowing down. The Buddha was a Taurus meditation, simplicity, focusing on the breath, um, pleasure, indulgence of Taurus, you know, getting out into nature spring starts with airy season, but then, you know, the come Taurus season, come the end of April, early May, this is when we see the flowers bloom. This is when we see the temperature change, right? This is when kind of the shift really starts or this time that the weather doesn't start and everybody starts getting really pissy that it's it's not coming yet. (laughs) Um, So then after Taurus season, we move into Gemini season. Gemini turns around to Taurus and is like, God, you're boring. I don't want to sit around all day. I don't want to work all the time. I want to be social. I want to have fun. I want to play. I want to spread my seed. You know, it's like the work that you do during Taurus and earth season. Mm -hmm. Then we spread it in the air season of Gemini, right? Just like you plant a seed. And then the way that flowers and plants and, you know, crops live is that the wind carries the seed elsewhere. Right. So Gemini is all about communication and learning. We have a spark of an idea for something. We build it we share it with other people. 
that's that air sign, right? So Gemini is like, I want to go out. I want to have fun. You know, like, I don't want to work all the time. It's so boring. I want to kind of spice things up again. I should also say that the seasons um, undulate between a yin energy and a yang. Oh, energy, yeah. Right? So, we yeah. so we can notice that we have more extroverted seasons. And then, you know, the cosmos remind us, no, no, you can't be on all the time. Go yeah. with it, right? Nourish. And then, no, no, don't stay down here all the time. Go back up. Um, so we have, you know, kind of the heady, curious, social, chatty, fun-loving, childlike energy of Gemini. And then we move into Capricorn. We descend back into water, mm. right? The We have used our head, used our voices, lived in our minds during an air season, Gemini. And then we move into a water sign that says, but wait, what about how you feel? Right. Wait, what about your soul? What about what you need? What about the greater connection between all of us? Yeah. Right. Cancer is cancer, the home, family, intuition, right? It's interesting. We have like the very heady, logical Gemini and it's immediately followed by cancer. That's like, okay, you're all over the place and yeah. it's a little flighty for me. And wh what about your body? Like, what about how you feel? What about your emotions? You're not, you're not meant to live in your head. And what about the people that you love? You've been out there socializing with everyone. Who do you want to bring home with you? Yeah. Who are we going to take care of? And then, you know, I, I can, if you want, but I don't have to spend so much time going through all 12, but I'll go just no, a little bit yeah. longer. Go a little bit, but then, yeah. yeah, yeah. But mm -hmm. then, then we start the cycle again. Then after cancer season, a water sign, we dry out from the creativity, the intuition, the imagination, the dreaming, the creativity. I said that twice of a water sign. We then bring the spark back with Leo season. We dry out, right? Because we can't live in that water forever. Right. You get pruny, right? So then we dry out like that feeling when you're in the ocean and you go out on the beach and it feels so good to have the sun just dry the water off your skin. Yeah. And you start again with the spark, the creativity. Leo turns around to cancer and is like, you're so mopey and you're so emotional. Like, I just want to have a good time. I want to play. I want it to be all about me. I, you know, I want to celebrate. Thanks for that nurturing cancer. Thanks for that family love. Like now I feel confident enough to go out and shine and be myself. And, and we keep going, right? We go from fire to earth, to air, to water. So if you're tuned in, you know, we're taught to think of the Zodiac seasons as these separate entities, but if you tune into the rhythms of them, to the cycles of them, it, it, there really is this great source of wisdom. Mm. One, you can live your life in accordance with the seasons and make an intention, you know, to, it's not to say you shouldn't socialize during Taurus or Cancer season or whatever, but like, to make an intention to kind of take action in a way that mimics or honors the energy at play based on the zodiac season, but you could even just tune into it on the most basic of level of reminding yourself, yes, this is flow. Like whatever situation I'm in right now, I, I should not stay in it forever. You know, it's like, it allows for the, it just makes life more rich. It allows for the entire life cycle. Oh my God. That is such a beautiful explanation of the zodiac signs I've never heard it you know just so eloquently and so clear of like this is how we live in relation with these natural cycles and this is mm -hmm. how we can um, embrace the seasons that we're in and fully be present in them um, and understand that they're each balancing each other out and there's gifts in each one so it's not like one time is bad one time is good and I think we were even talking about that before this call, like, yeah, 
the eclipses and how that could be um, a, a time of letting go. And that's an opportunity. And I think in society, we're taught that some things are wrong, some things are right. But I, from what you're sharing, it's like everything has its moment and it's mm-hmm. perfect in life. Totally. Everything has its moment. Everything has its purpose. You can use all of it, right? I think that's part of it too, is we're like, oh, it's yeah. going to happen to me. And it's like, no, no, go take it. Use yeah. it. Make it your own. Don't, that's like what I kind of meant earlier. Like, don't sit around and wait for it to happen or to see how it is. Like, kind of take the bull by the horns. Can you tell them in Aries? Yeah. Um, you know, and make it work for you. And I, I also just want to make one clarification. You know, I, mm-hmm. I use that analogy of, every zodiac sign turns back to the one that came before it and says, what? I can do this way better, right? And that is true. It continues. But another beautiful thing is to take, it's like, take the best from the season that came before it, right? So take the sparks of inspiration and the leadership and the drive and not waiting around for people to tell you what you can and can't do of every season and bring it in with you to the, to the more slow and steady drive of Taurus season. Yes. You know, it's like, because I don't want people to think when they hear this, like, oh, okay, right. you know, when Aries is done, just throw it out the window. It's like, no, take the best of it. And then yeah. we're, we're iterating, right? We're building, we're creating this cycle. It's like, we're tilling the ground, we're aerating the soil so that the garden that we're planting, you know, can really blossom um, and be oh. fruitful and very fertile. Oh, I love that so much. And yeah, I just really yeah and you know every astrology sign really um doesn't it have to do with a certain type of element oh yeah like the air yeah. sign yep air, air sign. Mm-hmm. fire yeah so fire signs are aries sagittarius and leo earth mm-hmm. signs are taurus virgo and capricorn um air signs are gemini libra and aquarius and water signs are cancer pisces and scorpio okay yeah, I guess I had never thought of it that way as, you know, an embodiment where there's different embodiments of elements. And mm-hmm. so it's almost like this is playing into that as well. And um, you are, you mentioned Aries, uh, sun sign, and then you have mm-hmm. Aquarius rising moon and, and rising. moon. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So we're both like the double air signs. Um, I have a Libra air, a Libra rising and Aquarius sun, Virgo moon. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So when you were talking about cancer season, that was another disempowering belief I had. Like, I'm going to be crying all of cancer season. Well, my dog is a cancer. And I honestly feel like he's one of my biggest teachers. And like all those lessons that you were saying of like being supported with your family and like turning inwards and like looking at your soul and emotions. It's like, that's what I actually literally needed so much as someone who is very um, driven and ambition. It's like, I live in that air space, the kind of mm-hmm. um, even earth, like working, working, working. And it was like, this is like the softness coming in and the emotion. And I think it's really helpful to have that. Um, yeah. That season and that ability to, to connect with these very deep emotions. Totally. And yeah, you know, Virgo moons in particular tend to be pretty hard on themselves, um, Oh yeah, <laughs> but, you know, but yeah, you know, it's, I think the biggest misconception about cancer is that they're just like these watery, sensitive beings. And by the way, we're meant to be emotional. Yeah. Like, I don't know where it's from, but there's this saying that says, um, there's only two types of people who don't have feelings, sociopaths or 
people that are no longer living. And like, it's true. Like we're meant to, right. We're meant to feel. And also cancers are fierce, man. Like they, cancer is a cardinal sign. Cardinal signs are initiators. They start things, you know, cancer season is the start of summer. It's just the way that cancer starts things is different than what we've been taught is like a beginning and firmness. And if anyone's ever, you know, you go to the beach and you see a rock where water has continued to Mm. you know, kind of run, those rocks are moved. They're eroded. Water is very powerful. It's just a different type of power. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. Like it gives you permission, like to expand your mindset and be open to what it looks like to be powerful. Like it's not Mm -hmm. just like this one way. And I'd love for you to touch on, like you mentioned, um, the fixed signs, the cardinal signs, like what are each one of those? And like, how does that play into each one? Yeah, for sure. So for anyone listening, that's like, wait a second, what is this? I've never heard of this. This is not mandatory to know. Um, astrology is so many details. I find people can get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So in addition to the elements, earth, fire, water, and air, in addition to the signs, we have modes in astrology. The way I like to think of them is like, modes of operating, modus operandi. It's like our style, our qualities. We have a cardinal sign. Cardinal signs initiate. They begin things. You know, they're good at that spark. Um, Cardinal signs. So the modes, interestingly enough, are synced with the seasons. So every cardinal sign is the start of a season. So Aries is a cardinal sign that starts spring. Cancer is a cardinal sign that starts summer. Libra is a cardinal sign that starts fall. Capricorn is a cardinal sign that starts winter. So just thinking, you know, from a nature perspective, again, everything is connected. Cardinal signs begin, right? They they start. So you can think of that also if you think of like a bell curve, that's the rise of a bell. Then we move to what's called a fixed sign. And fixed signs have an energy or a fixed mode has kind of an energy of like it sounds, right? They're fixed. They're stubborn. They're stable. They're steadfast. They're immovable. Yeah. Um, determined, you know, kind of once I, you know, like once you start rolling the boulder, the boulder is going to roll. So yeah. fixed signs are the middle of a season. So Taurus season, the season that we're in right now, when we're recording this is a fixed sign, right? That momentum of airy season. Yeah. Now we kind of stick in it. It's the meat, if you will. Leo season is a fixed sign. Um, Scorpio is a fixed sign. Aquarius is a fixed sign. So we go up the curve of Cardinal and then we arrive and we're just kind of steady and going can show up as being stubborn, right? Like can show up as feeling stuck, but really, if you lean into the energy, it is a determination. It's like, no, no, I'm not like I am in this. Yeah. Right. Then finally, we have a mutable sign. Mutability is a mode. Again, mutability is, as it sounds, mutable, change, flexibility, freedom, flow. Mutability is the energy that comes in after a fixed sign, you know, the descent of a bell curve that allows for fluidity and movement that makes us feel more comfortable with change, that helps us get out of that stuck energy. So this could also be a pattern that you, or a cycle that you lean into, you know, um, Gemini season, which is coming up our last month of spring is a mutable sign. We start to feel that need for movement, right? Wanting to get out of town, go to the yeah. beach, travel, feeling like we want to shake things up a little bit, right? It's kind of like, okay, spring's over when summer coming, um, Virgo is a mutable sign. So that's something interesting to reflect on, right? Because Virgo's yeah. earth sign yeah. has that reputation of like earth grounded, stable, but it's also a mutable sign. Change your mind a lot. Think about a lot of different ideas, super analytical. 
Yeah. Virgo season. This to me is the easiest example to explain to people about um, mutability. Virgo season is the end of August to the middle of September, middle, late September. It's like that back to school season where whether or not we're still going to school, we all feel that itch at the end of the summer. Even if we're sad for summer to be over, like everyone has the friend that's like, okay, I'm done. Give me my yummy sweaters. Um, we all feel that desire to like stop traveling all the time on the weekends or to, you know, go back to the gym or to eat a little healthier, like that there's that more comfort with transition. Yeah. Right. And then we have Sagittarius season, which is the last month of fall. Again, that fluidity, that change winter is coming, right. We're moving into the holidays. Um, Gemini season is also mutable, right. So we're going to be like, right. As I said, I kind of started there. So you can see again, there's like this ramp up energy, this fixed energy, and then a descent. I don't mean a descent as like a bad thing. I mean, it as like, okay, we don't have to stay here anymore. Like I'm open to things changing and being, we all tend to have a, um, we all tend to have a point where all of a sudden we're like, oh, I feel comfortable with kind of letting this go or I'm ready to try something new. You know, I. Oh, I've been eating the same dinner for the past week and I, two weeks, and I think I'm like ready to get a different dish, you know? Um, So those are the modes, right? And so every Zodiac sign, well, has a sign. It has a um, element of wire, fodder, air, and it has a mode. Okay. So there's lots of things to play with. Yeah. I think it's helpful to give my listener that understanding of like the depth that this has and mm-hmm. how that can give you even more understanding and permission of like, oh, this is my, you know, my natural way of being. I think I gave myself a lot more permission when I found out that Aquarius was a fixed sign because I always felt like, you know, maybe I'm being too stubborn and like, why don't I ever like, you know, um, like, but like, I think that was with my dynamic with my parents. It's like, I would not, um, obviously Aquarius rebel anyway, but, um, I would just not like budge and like, just be and with my dad too. We were just like butted heads. And it was like, oh, like, that's actually like my strength and my natural way of being of like holding that, um, fixed determination and like, um, pull in a sense. So mm-hmm. I think it just gives you like this permission of understanding your strengths, understanding, what's going on, um, in your environment and like, how do you capitalize on these energies? Because like, and how do you not make it, um, take it personally? And I think that's just something that, um, the world right now really needs. And I think we're going to go through all these different changes in society and, um, and have this tool to lean on that gives us an understanding perspective. Like, don't freak out. Here's what's happening. It's normal. It's literally part of nature. And how do we, I think astrology gives that lens of how do you use the season that you're in? How do you understand that to carve your path forward? And I know that's a big part of the work that you do. And I love for you to share with my listener, how do you work with clients? And I know that you also are working with companies too, which I think is so, so cool and so needed. Yeah, I love um, that you use the word permission because that is really at its core, the greatest gift of this work time and time again, I see amazing people that are so capable and so talented and they can't take action or they are having trouble propelling themselves forward or just living their lives, worrying less and enjoying more. 
because they are spending so much time doubting themselves, doubting who they are, doubting what makes them tick, doubting themselves in the past, you know, oh, I messed up my life up to here. And so now I don't know how to get forward. When you can trust your path and take confident action because you feel confident in your way of being, right? Think about how much time we spend or the average person spends beating themselves up or feeling guilty for the way that they are, for wishing they could communicate better, or, you know, God, I wish I wasn't so stubborn, or I wish that my mom and I didn't have this dynamic, or whatever. When you get rid of that, when you treat yourself with compassion, when you treat yourself with grace, when you're gentle with yourself, right? Similar themes here of meditation and mindfulness. Yeah. Newsflash, that's when it's easier to change. Because right. the, the acceptance piece, you're like, okay, I see this as part of who I am. And yeah. what if I did it a little bit differently? Understanding like, oopsie, I'm back in that place again. Yeah. So, you know, the way, and as well, you know, the way that I work with people is really helping them do just that. Mm-hmm. Helping them trust themselves, helping them feel confident and empowered, validating their experience, affirming their experience, helping them see that they are not wrong. They have never been wrong. And as a result, how can they go out and take action, you know, do the damn thing to create the life that they want to live? How can they worry less so that they can enjoy themselves more? And, you know, dare I say it, be excited for all that's coming because they know how to trust their cycles and their seasons. They know how to be in flow. Does that mean they're always happy all the time or things are always, you know, rosy and butterfly filled? No, but there's a greater capacity to handle the fluctuations of life, mm, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the work that I do with people on an individual level. I do 60 minute astrology readings. I also have a three month coaching container that was built from those 60 minute sessions of just realizing, you know, this is really the tip of the iceberg and having clients continually ask me like, okay, well, where do I go from here? Like, how do I sustain this? How do I, you know, feel held and supported as I move through transition in a way that allows me to trust myself as I create these changes? Yeah. Um, and then, yes, I have a corporate arm of my business. I do traditional meditation and mm-hmm. mindfulness. And then I also bring astrology into the workplace for two different reasons. One, it's fun. It's so fun. Like that's something we definitely haven't touched on today, but astrology is a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, I do just some examples of kind of what I offer Along the same lines though, like how do you empower employees to be themselves and to trust themselves? And as a result, take confident action and contribute, you know, and really make their industry and their company a better place because they are so firmly rooted in what they can contribute. And that looks like mini astrology readings for employees, which is like a really fun, you know, culture builder makes companies look really cool. Um, I do astrology workshops. For people, I have had clients come to me and say, I tried to do like a strengths builders 101 workshop and my employees were upset. They were like, this is so outdated. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think we started out our conversation speaking about um, how popular astrology has become. And I think a real gift of bringing astrology to the workforce is that you're addressing the whole person. Yes. Like speaking to what your employees are curious about and interested in and teaching them how they can integrate it into their work they themselves don't have to separate, you know, like personal life, Emily and professional Emily. Um, And then I also do kind of leadership summits of using astrology, using the energies of people's individual charts to help promote team synergy, 
you know, cooperation, collaboration, leadership, how can people work together using astrology as a sense of self-understanding and emotional intelligence and empowerment, again, you know, to contribute to their team, their organization, their industry and beyond. Amazing. Oh, that sounds incredible. And I love that you said that the main part of your work and of astrology and meditation as well is helping us be able to navigate these fluctuations. And I've had a few other guests recently where we've talked about like, that's the number one skill right now that I think everyone is being called to work on and embody is this ability to be present with everything that is because our world is only going to get more complex and it already is. And so I love that you're bringing this on the individual level and in the corporate space and leadership, because it's like leaders need that. People are done with the one dimensional strengths finders and they understand like, no, this is inherent to who we are. And so the more we can understand each other and um, yeah, just really lift each other up by understanding each other's strengths and um, you know, unique ways of being that it just makes us more accepting of each other and people that are different from us. And I don't know about you, but there's just so many, um, and, you know, we kind of touched on some of the like disempowering things, but people are like, oh, you know, Scorpios are so intense and I actually don't know any, but I think that this is just a normalization of like, you know, cancers aren't crybabies. And I think you just put a face to a name of like these different qualities and that's what you like power and leadership can look like. It's not just what we've been taught is astrology through horoscopes, maybe. Totally. Which by the way, PSA, everyone, you should be reading the horoscope for your rising sign, not your sun sign. Pro tip. Thank you for that. Yes. Yep, pro tip. Um, yeah, you know, I think too, and this is a benefit of doing a one-on-one session with what I call like pop astrology, you know, when you just read for one part of your chart, the gift of astrology is that it helps you see how complex you are and dynamic and to really leverage all the different parts of you. Whereas when you just hyper-focus in on one thing, you're really narrowing your vision. So that's another benefit for using astrology in the workplace. Yeah. You know, whether from a professional, like coming to me as a company or as an individual, and then taking that back to work, like helps you see how dynamic you can be. Um, And the reality is like all, yes, the probably the negative stereotypes you hear about some signs are, are most of the signs are true in some capacity, right? But they're also the extreme negative of a sign and how it can express. And also they're crafted by another sign that doesn't have that same gift. You know, sure. Cancer is very sensitive, can be a crybaby. You know, you and I both have a lot of Aquarius in our chart. I know you're a big feeler. I'm also very sensitive. Like generally speaking, Aquarius likes distance and space and is very heady and is kind of like, is very good at dissociation. And it's like, wow, why is feeling so much? Like get over it, right? Yeah. But the gift of cancer is the capacity to feel. And that's why so many cancers are healers and teachers because they can connect. Scorpios can be very intense, but Scorpios have the capacity to go deep. Yeah. Whereas everybody else, right? Like doesn't want to go where Scorpio goes, wants to stay at the surface level. And Scorpio's like, no, no, let's go there. What are you afraid of? We can, we can handle this. We can hold space for this. So yes, you know, the negative stereotypes that we hear are true in some capacity, but they're extreme. And how can we stop to pause and consider what does that sign have? You know, what is that element, that sign, that energy, what does it really have to teach me? Yeah. It's almost like stereotypes of each one. And maybe that's even like the shadow side, because you said they are true in some way, but what can we actually learn from each one? And I just think that's just 
a metaphor for life and getting to know people and Mm -hmm. um, in the world and be more open and accepting. It's like everyone does bring a strength, even like the dark, deep, intense. I'd love to meet a Scorpio one day. I'm really like calling that. I have so many Scorpios in my life. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, They're intense. I love them, (laughs) but they're intense. Yeah. I'm going to call that in and like be at the time, whenever the time is right is when I'll meet one. But yeah, I just love that the work that you're doing, Sophia, and would love to know where can my listener find you online? Yes. So you can find me on my website, sophiaadler.com, S-O-F-I-A. You can find me on Instagram and you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm active there. I share a lot. And the other place is definitely my newsletter. You can access that via Instagram or LinkedIn. I share newsletter every week, empowered, focused, no BS astrology content, really designed to help you work with the cosmos. Um, It's a really special space. I share things there that I don't share anyone anywhere else, excuse me, and would love to have your listeners on there. Amazing. Yeah. I will link all that in the show notes and I love your LinkedIn posts. I kind of give like that snapshot of the week, like astrology. Like, I think that is so useful. I'm like, oh, okay, great. This is like the theme and this is like what's coming up and it's not even like you're prescribing it because I feel like you ask like, is this coming alive for you? Or like, what is um, true for you? Because there's so many experiences of the same um, energy. So yeah, totally. One way, there's no one way to feel the energy, which is also why like when there's a fear-based astrology message, you're like, but wait, that's based on this idea that I'm going to focus on one thing. Um, You, for the people who are curious about astrology who feel deeply and feel energy and want to understand more about what they're feeling or have just loved what I shared today. I also have a membership community. It's called Cosmic Circle. It is $39 a month or $3.90 for the year, two months free. And I record astrological weather reports for the week ahead and they get straight delivered to your inbox every Monday morning. So that's also something um, if folks are interested in to definitely check out. And Mm. I'm excited for you, Emily, because there's no greater like rock and space holder than a Scorpio. You need one. Oh my God. I know. I'm like, this will be an invitation for sure. Yeah. They're, they're great. I love them. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much, Sophia, for sharing your wisdom, for coming on. This has been such a beautiful conversation. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was such a treat and I'll talk to you soon. Amazing. Thank you.